Well, the WCC did not vote to expand the conference schedule. A big win for Mark Few. Does this mean the Zags are more content staying in the WCC, or is this a temporary victory to keep the peace before an eventual transition either to the Mountain West or the Big East? We will discuss that and look at the non-conference schedule and my dream additions for the final six spots on that schedule, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. We are very, very close to July, and I sincerely appreciate that so many of you are continuing to tune into the show. I also appreciate those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. If you have not done so, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags. You'll see the channel. You'll see videos of every single episode we have done over the last six or seven months or so. And you can hit that big subscribe button to help me get to a thousand subscribers. All right, today we are talking schedules. Today, the first thing, the big news update, the WCC did not vote to expand the conference schedule from 16 games to 18 games. This was rumored to be something that the WCC was voting on a few weeks ago. The thought here was that the conference in the in lieu of losing BYU and potentially losing Gonzaga, that was kind of where the the conversation was going, was that the WCC was going to add more conference games as a chance for some of their lower level teams to end up still playing everybody twice as opposed to the way it's been working lately where uh, the two worst teams in the conference don't play the two best teams in the conference once per year. So, for example, Portland lost the ability to host Gonzaga a couple of seasons because they were the worst team in the conference, and so Gonzaga did not have to travel on the road to play Portland. I was something that certainly Gonzaga appreciated because they could use those extra games to play teams like Michigan State, which we're going to talk about in the second segment, or many of the other high-profile opponents that Gonzaga has played over the last few years, North Carolina, Alabama, etc., etc. Uh, the same benefit, of course, went to St. Mary's, went to BYU. In theory, it went to everybody in the conference, but those lower-level teams have a much harder time adding good opponents, so they were often using those extra schedules where they would have played Gonzaga or they would have played St. Mary's, and instead they're playing teams like Northern Arizona or Big West opponents or Big Sky opponents because that's kind of the easiest games for them to schedule. The good teams don't typically like to add teams like the Terry Porter era Portland Pilots to the roster, so that was why they did this vote, The and the thought process we talked about, I believe, last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago. Uh, on an episode, we kind of discussed what this would mean for Gonzaga at the time. Most people believe that the conference would, in fact, change the voting or change the vote so that they would have 18 conference games as opposed to 16. That would have been bad news for Gonzaga. It's obviously not something that Mark Few wanted. Uh, and obviously with the com- with the team having been willing to entertain the idea of going to the Mountain West previously, there was some chatter about whether a vote like this would be enough to push the Zags to really strongly consider trying to rejoin the Mountain West or potentially go to the Big East, which is a, a rumor that was very heavily floated around about a month or so ago with the, the, the news that the Zags were at least talking to Big East conference officials. But instead... 
The conference has voted to keep the schedule at 16 conference games. So what does that mean? Well, we figure Mark Few dissented. He was not in favor of this. We figure, or he was not in favor of adding conference games. We figure Randy Bennett was probably not in favor of adding games. I have no idea if Mark Pope had a vote or not, uh, but it also means that there's there's more support. There's more support within the WCC basketball conference coaches to not add more conference games. That's a good thing. It's not a great thing for the bottom feeders, but what we're seeing in the WCC is that those teams are not necessarily staying bottom feeders for very long. Portland is the most prominent example of this. This is a team that had been at the bottom of the WCC standings for years and years under coach Terry Porter. They could, they were floundering. They could not get out of that. Were they still in that situation? I think they would be more inclined to vote for more conference games because they don't like not playing Gonzaga because when they host Gonzaga at the child center in Portland, the arena is packed. It's not packed with pilots fans. It is packed to the brim with Gonzaga fans who get so few opportunities to see the Zags except when they are playing in Portland. So of course, Portland's going to want that game back, but and I don't know how they voted, but with Shante Leggins building a program that really had a lot of success last season and is now moving towards, you know, being a top half team in the WCC, you could understand why they might not be so inclined to do that. They may want to challenge themselves more in those non-conference slates. Now, will they have the ability to do it? I don't know. If I was a a top 100-ish team, maybe a good Mountain West team, or a, a good, a decent Pac-12 team, would I want to go add Portland to my schedule when they're on the up and up, when they have a lot of transfers and older veteran team? Probably not. If I'm Cal and I have the choice between playing Portland, even hosting Portland, or playing, let's say, Northern Arizona or you know, a bottom feeder, Cal Poly, a bottom feeder in the in the Big West, I'm probably going to take that game because it's safer. I don't want to lose a game to Portland that pretty much, that has a significant negative impact on my chances of, of making the making the, the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid if it's not going to be a win that helps me all that much. This is why Gonzaga struggled to schedule for decades and have only very recently started to schedule more prominent non-conference games year in and year out. It's why Randy Bennett struggled. Yes, Randy Bennett was a bit more conservative with his approach to to trying to schedule some of those challenging non-conference games. And yes, he deserved plenty of the criticism that he received from Gonzaga fans for that. But at the end of the day, it was really tough for him to try to get some good games in as well. With the WCC making this decision, it means that there are other coaches in the conference who are willing to try to engage in some tougher non-conference schedules. Whether it was Shantae Leggins, whether it was Chris Gerlofson, the new head coach at the University of San Francisco, whether it was Steve Lavin, who certainly has plenty of connections around the college basketball world, he could probably put some tough games on San Diego's schedule, whether it was Herb Sendak, who saw a great opportunity last year to make the NCAA tournament slip through his fingers because of early season injuries at Santa Clara, whether it was some combination of all of those coaches, I don't know. But this means that there are teams within the WCC who are willing to bet that they have the ability to make tough tough games on the non-conference schedule happen, and they don't need to rely on playing Gonzaga every year in order to help boost their schedule. So I think this is good news. Does it mean that Gonzaga is absolutely not moving out of the WCC? No, of course not. 
I don't, that wasn't going to happen this year anyway. It probably wasn't going to happen next year anyway. Uh, the Zags have obviously talked to the Mountain West previously. That was in 2018 when the Mountain West voted unanimously to accept Gonzaga into the conference before the WCC stepped up, made some concessions, and allowed Gonzaga to stay. That could happen again. Of course, we know that the Big East conversation has at least happened. We don't know a ton of other details outside of that. I don't think that this decision like has a has a profound impact on whether Gonzaga makes the decision to leave or not. I do think that it it certainly helps at least keep the peace right now. The peace was still kept, but had this vote gone the other direction, I think Mark Few would have been pretty mad. And I think Randy Bennett would have been pretty mad. And those are not people within the WCC that you want to alienate, that you want to upset, because Mark Few has the ability to pull this program and move them to another conference. He threatened it before. I think he would be willing to threaten it again, especially with the Mountain West having a very successful season on the basketball court last year. But this smooths the waters. He keeps Gonzaga in the WCC for the foreseeable future, and it kind of indicates that a lot of the other teams in the conference are willing to make to to try harder to schedule some tough games. Will they be able to do it? Is a important question and one that I do not have the answer to. It's going to be difficult for some of those teams to get those games on the calendar. But if they're going to start trying, that is great news for the WCC and frankly for West Coast basketball on the whole. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to discuss Gonzaga's non-conference schedule. Now that the Michigan State game is nearly finalized, according to John Rothstein of CBS Sports. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment two, still any patents, still... Locked on Zach. Still talking Gonzaga basketball schedule for the upcoming season. The biggest news outside of the WCC vote, which we covered in segment one, is that Gonzaga is now close to finalizing a game against the Michigan State Spartans on Memorial Day, November 11th. The game, quite notably, would take place on an aircraft carrier in San Diego. Uh, it would be, of course, to honor Memorial Day and the troops and the servicemen that we've lost, servicemen and women, excuse me, that we have lost uh, in wars for Memorial Day. Uh, these, these kind of games have are a bit gimmicky, but they've happened before. We saw more of them kind of during COVID as an opportunity to, to play prominent games that would attract a lot of attention uh, by TV viewers, but didn't necessarily have a bunch of people crammed into an arena because that was what we were trying to avoid during COVID. Uh, I think this is cool. I also understand why some people are hesitant about it. Uh, certainly, we, Gonzaga hasn't had great experiences with 
these kind of unique gimmicky style games you may recall uh, quite a while ago i think it was close to 10 years ago that makes me feel old that gonzaga played pit and the game had to be canceled at halftime because of really slippery conditions on the basketball court it's understandable for gonzaga fans to have a little bit of ptsd from that and potentially be concerned that a game like this early in the season very very early in the season could lead to some kind of injuries that would hamper this team's ability to go all the way to the national championship game I'm imagining that they're going to do everything that they can to make sure this court is in tip-top shape. And if Mark Few or Tom Izzo or anybody else on the teams feels like there's some some danger, some concern there, um, I'm not sure if they would full-on call the game off, but they would certainly do whatever they can to make sure that the situation is safe. Uh, This is a fun game. Not just because of the situation on the air in the airplane carrier, but because Michigan State's a pretty good team. They're not quite at the level that they've been in previous seasons under Tom Izzo, but I think that this is a solid squad, a top 40-ish team, and another great opponent for Mark Few and the staff. They have a really, really good non-conference schedule already booked up, and they still have plenty of games left to add. We're going to talk all about the games left to add in the third and final segment, but for now, I want to talk about the games that are already on the schedule. Of course, we're assuming that this Michigan State game is finalized on November 11th, that will very likely be Gonzaga's second full game of the regular season. They'll have one or two exhibition games, depending on what they want to do there. They played two exhibition games last year, although that was somewhat dubious reasoning why, because it allowed them to suspend Mark Few for three games and not lose him for the game against Texas. So if they have one or two this year, we'll kind of help determine how much of that decision last year was maybe a dubious one. Uh, But they are going to play North Florida on November 7th. That is quite likely, I believe for sure, going to be Gonzaga's first game of the season. So again, not an exhibition game per se, but a more of a gimme game uh, to start out the season. Four days later, they'll travel to San Diego and play Michigan State on the aircraft carrier. And then they have Texas either November 14th or November 16th. And that game is also going to be on the road in Austin, Texas. Great opportunity to rematch against Chris Beard's squad. That team that Gonzaga played and destroyed last year was not exactly the team they ended up being. They were very, very new team, new coach, bunch of new players, but they did disappoint last year. And this year will be a good opportunity to see if Chris Beard can kind of pick up the pieces, excuse me, and bring that team back into prominence. Then, of course, the Zags have the PK-85, the Phil Knight Invitational in Portland, Oregon, a replay of the PK-80 from five years ago that the Zags nearly won but lost in overtime against Florida. Florida is one of many teams Gonzaga could end up playing again in the PK-85. The other ones include Portland State and Oregon State, the kind of local representation, and then you have a murderer's row of really talented programs outside of that. Of course, Florida, who we mentioned, Xavier out of the Big East, West Virginia, Bob Huggins' squad, Purdue, who will see what they kind of look like after losing Jaden Ivey, but they should still be a very solid squad. And then, of course, the new John Shire-led Blue Devils of Duke University, their first year in the post-Coach K era. The Zags are going to play some combination of those teams. It's going to be a ton, a ton of fun over Thanksgiving week, Feast Week games. Always a blast. And this is going to be one of the best tournaments Gonzaga has ever been in. We got three more games that we know of on the calendar so far. Three pretty darn good ones. I might add Baylor on December 2nd in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Of course, a rematch of the 2021 national title game. Scott Drew versus Mark Few. Very, very fun game. A 
Locked On crossover episode from a few weeks ago with Drake Toll of the Locked On Baylor podcast. Check that out if you haven't yet to get a good sense of what that matchup might look like. Then, of course, the Zags got their annual game against the University of Washington Huskies on the 9th. That game is going to be in Spokane. Mike Hopkins had a pretty good year last year and had a good year on the transfer portal this year. So perhaps the Huskies will be on their way out of the Pac-12 cellar and back to being a relevant program on the West Coast. And finally, the last remaining game we know of on Gonzaga's schedule, December 17th in Birmingham, Alabama against Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide, a rematch, of course, of the Battle in Seattle game from this past season that Gonzaga unfortunately lost. Uh, Alabama lost a ton of talent from last year's program, but they got to travel all the way down to the state of Alabama to play the Crimson Tide. It's going to be a tough game again for Mark Few and the Zags. All right, third segment, we're going to move away from talking about the game's already on the schedule, and instead we're going to focus on the games not played yet as I'm going to give you my dream scenario, me personally, my dream scenario for the rest of Gonzaga's schedule. But before we get there, let's talk about bet online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, segment three. Stanley Patton still locked on Zags, still chatting Gonzaga men's basketball scheduling as we head closer and closer to the start of the 22-23 season. By my count, the Zags have six games remaining on their schedule. That is not including the exhibition games, one or two exhibition games that they could potentially play. Uh, At this point, Gonzaga has added probably all of the very top tier games that they are going to play this non-conference slate. They usually play seven or eight games against sub-300, sub-250 Ken Palm teams. Those are your SWAC opponents like Texas Southern, your opponents like Northern Arizona. Uh, Denver have been recent opponents that they've played kind of in that realm. And then, of course, they play multiple high-profile programs like their MTEs, as well as, you know, home-and-homes with North Carolina, Alabama, the ones that they have scheduled in recent years. So I just wanted to lay out what my, if I could pick, If I was given the opportunity and all of the scheduling lined up, which is very unlikely to occur, these are the games that I would pick for Gonzaga. Some of them are for selfish reasons. Some of them are for fan service reasons. Some of them are just fun games that I think I would really like to see. I would also love to hear your thoughts on teams that you would love to see Gonzaga play, either because they have not played them before, because... They have some connection to Gonzaga. They Maybe they have a connection to you personally. Let me know. Uh, comments on the post or reach out to me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. Let me know who you want to see Gonzaga play this year because I always think it's fun to talk about scheduling matchups and potential games that could happen on the schedule. So if we're, t- if we're talking exhibition games, I'm not usually particularly inclined to care about who Gonzaga plays in an exhibition game. But this year, it's clear. It's clear to me. If Gonzaga can pull it off, they should play Southern Oregon. 
for their exhibition game. That is, of course, because Will Graves, the man who hit 35% of his three-pointers in four seasons for the Gonzaga Bulldogs as a as a walk-on player, he has transferred to Southern Oregon to be closer to home in Coach Kelly Graves and the University of Oregon women's basketball program. Coach Graves is going to play at Southern Oregon this next season. I'm really excited to see how he does. I think it's going to be a ton of fun, and I think it'd be really cool if Gonzaga could get Southern Oregon to come out to Spokane, see Will Graves in the kennel one final time, uh, and play them for their exhibition game. Next up, and I didn't list these teams in any particular order. Uh, these are the six actual games I would love to see Gonzaga add. First up is the Cougars of Washington State. We need to bring this back. I, I understand why Gonzaga stopped playing this game in the first place. Washington State was in a bad, bad spot on the basketball floor. The game was just not helping Gonzaga at all. It was a low, low ROI game for them. The RPI for, for playing this game was low. They just didn't want to keep playing it anymore. But it's a local game. It's a regional rivalry. There's a lot of fans who kind of share both of these teams within their families. It's about an hour and 15-minute drive between the two stadiums. We need to bring this game back. And more importantly, Washington State's pretty good now. They have bumped up uh, their, their performance level. Kyle Smith has been a phenomenal addition to that program as the head coach, former coach at the University of San Francisco. Uh and the Zags should play as many Pac-12 teams as possible, if nothing else, to continue to build and post their dominance against the Pac-12 conference, the pseudo-conference of champions. The more the Zags can play and beat up on Pac-12 teams, the better. So I'd add Washington State next up, sticking regionally, st- sticking locally. I would love to see Gonzaga add Seattle U to their non-conference schedule. Again, the Zags usually fill out the rest of their schedule with Ken Palm 300-plus teams. This is a situation where Seattle U is about a Ken Palm 150 team, maybe 175 next year. They lost a lot of talent this past season, notably Darian Trammell, their star point guard, transferred to San Diego State. So this team's probably going to be a little bit down from that, but they're going to be a top 200 Ken Palm team. Washington State's probably a top 75, maybe top 100 Ken Palm team. So you add those two teams as opposed to, again, I'm not trying to pick on Texas Southern, but they're just a prominent example of a team that Gonzaga has played many times in recent years. They're by games and they're just teams that aren't as good. So I'd rather see Gonzaga play a little bit tougher of a schedule and maybe make some regional rivalries out of that. Next up, again, sticking with that same theme would be Idaho, the Vandals. Now, the Vandals are bad. They're more of a, they, they fit more into the top, the, the bottom 300, uh, outside of the top 300, excuse me, teams in Ken Palm. But again, they're so close. Like, they're very, very close by. There's a ton of fans who, who would be able to go, uh, who maybe wouldn't make the trip over to Washington, but might be able to see them if they were to play in Idaho somewhere, uh, or just fans around here who want to see that game, who just want to see these two teams play again, families who are split, where one person went to Gonzaga, one person went to Idaho, whatever it may be. And I just think it's fun for Gonzaga to take advantage of the fact that there are a lot of Division One teams fairly close by to them. And they have the opportunity to play them, but they don't usually take advantage of that. And I think it'd be fun to see them do it. Three more games on the schedule. All of these have a very similar theme that you will pick up on very, very quickly. First up is the best game I want Gonzaga to add. Everybody should want the Zags to add this game. That is, of course, Tommy Lloyd's Arizona squad. Uh, It would be a huge game. Arizona's probably not going to be a number one seed again like they were last year. They lost a ton of talent. Ben Matherin, sixth overall pick, 
Dallin Terry went to Chicago at 18th overall. Christian Coloco, 33rd overall to Toronto. Three players taken just outside of the first round of the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, that's a lot of talent to lose. Of course, they're still going to be very good. Azulis Tabellis is a candidate to be Pac-12 player of the year next year. Umar Balo is going to step up and have a very big role for the Wildcats as well. This is going to be a very good team next year. I would love to see Tommy's first season with like kind of his guys, him bringing in some of his talent, uh, his first season, his second full season getting a chance to play against Mark Few's squad. Uh, it's not going to happen. I would be very surprised if they were to make this game happen for a while, frankly. But this game right now with Rem still on staff at Arizona, with Matthew Lang transferring to play there for another year, with Umar Balo still there. So much former Zag flavor uh, down in Arizona, and I think it'd be really fun if these two teams played each other. Plus, more Pac-12. Always good. Always good. Got to throw that out there, too. Next up, Long Beach State, and you're probably picking up the theme here. Already, that's, of course, Dan Monson's old squad, the 49ers down there. Uh, the the Zags should should be playing Dan Monson's team pretty much every year. Frankly, I think, I'm surprised that they don't. I get that Long Beach State is not a particularly great basketball program, but they were pretty good last year. They were within the top Ken Palm 150. So again, we're talking about teams that are much better than a lot of the teams Gonzaga frequently has on their schedule. Better than the Tarleton States, better than the Merrimacks, better than the Denvers, those kinds of programs. Uh, and, and it's still not going to be a, a particularly competitive game. Long Beach State is a good program, but they're not a great program. But it would be fun to play Dan Monson. It'd be fun to play a program that is a little bit better than the programs Gonzaga typically plays in the non-conference slate. That's enough of a reason for me to, to want to add this game to the schedule. And then finally, last but very certainly not least, it sticks with the theme of being a local team and, of course, a former Gonzaga coach uh, and would be the second most prominent game on this list behind Arizona that is Leon Rice's Boise State Broncos. Boise State is going to be a very good team next year. They lost a good amount of talent this last offseason, but I still think they're going to be top three, top four in the Mountain West. That should put them probably top top 100 for sure, maybe top 75 uh, in the uh, in the Ken Palm ratings throughout the season, depending on how some of their younger guys perform this year. That's a great game to add to the non-conference slate. If Gonzaga were to add Arizona and Boise State to the group that they already have and were to replace some of their bad sub-300 teams with teams like Long Beach State and Seattle U, this would be an incredible schedule. An incredible schedule. To be clear, this is not going to happen. I would be fairly surprised if a single one of these teams was added to Gonzaga's non-conference slate. The most likely team on this calendar that Gonzaga will play next year by a landslide is Southern Oregon. I think that game is pretty likely going to happen. Gonzaga has played Southern Oregon as an exhibition game before. There's very, very strong reason for them to want to do it again this year. Washington State's not going to happen. Arizona's not going to happen. Boise State, very unlikely to happen. Long Beach State, it would have happened by now, I think, if it was going to happen. Seattle and Idaho feel pretty unlikely as well. But this is a fun exercise for what I would do if I could make the schedule. I just think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun to play more local teams. I know a lot of people in the comments on previous episodes, on previous mailbags, have discussed why does Gonzaga play so many teams from very far away? Why do they play Alcorn State and Tarleton State and those teams when they could play local teams like Montana, like Idaho, like Idaho State, whatever it may be. Uh, and I think that that's a reasonable question. And I kind of understand why Gonzaga does it the way that they do. And certainly the buy games are, are, are tricky to find a way to schedule them on the calendar. So I, I, I don't, it's not a criticism of the staff that they don't play some of these games, but 
If I had the choice, they would. And I think it would be really, really fun to see Gonzaga play more local teams. Some of those kind of burgeoning, growing, developing programs like Seattle U, like Washington State's not a small program, but certainly a, a developing program, and even Boise State, Seattle U, etc. I think it'd be very fun to see them try to play some more of those teams and, and face a little bit more of a challenge than they might face from some of their other games, but still not enough that it's going to uh, necessarily cost them a, a really significant loss in the non-conference slate. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got a ton more fun stuff coming later this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Check it out there and hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Finally, thank you to all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!